plastic to plastic, dust to dust. <laughs> I just sent you a picture of a yellow rubber duck. <gasps> See? <laughs> yeah, man. No, 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 no. Well, hello and welcome to Movies on the Side. This is Stephen Robles. And this is Nate Baranowski. And we had to at least once do a disaster movie during global pandemic. This is like our eighth disaster movie. (laughs) Uh, Before we jump to the movie, uh, we should remind you that we have a wonderful Patreon account. And I feel like our last two episodes have been gold. And Nate had a special announcement It was actually the first time you've ever said it, right? Right. It is the first time that the internet has ever heard my special news. Okay. So if you want to hear that, go to patreon.com slash movies on the side, support the show with any amount, and you get access to all the bonus episodes, all the great shows. There's dozens and dozens, and you get to hear Nate's special announcement. And we talk about, uh, uh, we we can't say exactly what we talk about because it'll give it away. But we do talk about my new mattress and mold. We talk about mold. I'll leave it at that. Yep. Yep, 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 yep. Okay, so Nate, I made you watch the 2009 movie, 2012. (laughs) Steven. Yes. I did not enjoy this experience at all. (sighs) Yeah. I need to to tell you something. Uh I did not uh, get much joy from this. I got to tell you, even a bad disaster movie, a la The Core, will give me some joy. I'm actually with you here. This... This one didn't do it for me. We watched the movie 2012, which came out in 2009 and makes for a confusing episode title. (laughs) Listeners, I hope you understood it. Absolutely. It is about that crazy idea that the Mayans predicted the end of the world to happen on December 21, 2012. And I have to say, one of my greatest joys was circa 2015 or 2016 Mm -hmm. going into walmart dvd section and seeing in the clearance rack the movie 2012 yep (laughs) seeing that four years after the world was supposed to end it feels a little different watching well it feels a little different for a lot of reasons but it does feel a little different watching it after 2012 going like okay no problem which by the way i did a little research on just the mayans did not predict the end of the world in 2012. Right. It was more of like there's there was going to be some celestial alignment that was very very rare for the sun and the right such and such to all go and like they just like their calendar went out to that like just like how I don't plan these days past August the minds <laughs> were like yeah <laughs> I mean we're good after 2012 we, we built ourselves plenty of runway unlike this movie. <laughs> they weren't predicting neutrinos. They weren't. So this movie got a gracious 39% Rotten Tomatoes critic score, 47% audience satisfaction, which I feel like is high on both counts. This movie was directed by Roland Emmerich. Yep. One of my faves. He's back. <laughs> Roland Emmerich, for those who don't know or who mm-hmm. haven't watched, mm-hmm. or by watched I mean listened to a lot of our episodes, right? he has done movies such as White House Down, Independence Day, mm-hmm. the first one, mm-hmm. and then Independence Day colon resurgence, mm-hmm. which Stephen has been trying to get me to watch for this podcast for <laughs> two years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He did the 1998 Godzilla. There it is. That's right. And the day after tomorrow and the Patriot. Oh, interesting. And in modern day, uh, last year, he directed Midway 
uh, a war movie, I believe. Interesting. So he's still doing. I mean, he's still doing his thing. Okay. Um, I see now on the, his IMDb, there's a new movie in pre-production called Moonfall, and I would just like to. I imagine this is a disaster movie. I'm just going to read the one-line synopsis uh, right now in this pre-production state. <clears throat> oh no! A space crew travels to the moon after it's struck by an asteroid and is sent on a collision course with Earth. I don't know if they're saying the moon is on a collision course with or Earth. the asteroid that hits the moon. The asteroid? That's unclear. Anyway, it's going to be a great movie. I <laughs> think we should watch it. It is also announced he is directing a new Stargate movie. Stargate. Interesting. Well, anyway, Roland Emmerich, one of our faves. I know he's kind of shoehorned into the disaster genre. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do you think he likes it? I mean, we're probably not going to get Roland Emmerich on this podcast per se. But do you think he really enjoys that or if he's just like, you know what? I could really like I'd love to do a rom-com. I think if he chooses to make a 2 hour and 40 minute movie about the Mayan prediction of 2012, <sighs> he has to like disaster movies. Yeah. I think he's got to like doing them. It's the only way it gets made. Or he did Independence Day mm. and now if anyone has an idea who's like, "Listen, we have quite a bit of budget and we'd love to do a disaster movie." Mm. are you in he looks around and goes sure no no i think he's excited about it okay i think so okay there's so much in this movie i, I think we just need to jump around because yeah jump up jump up and get down uh, <laughs> i found it interesting in the opening scenes that the adrian helmsley doctor character played by i'm gonna try this <clears throat> chiwetel ejiofor nice who of all the people in this movie probably did the most decentest yes. job. He did he did good acting and he was very likable. Yes, very likable. Pretty much every other character in this movie. Nope. I have one other one. I like Danny Glover as a president. I really wanted to talk about Danny Glover mm-hmm. because I'm thinking about we sh- we should do top five presidents in movies. <laughs> That'd be good. Because Danny Glover, Morgan Freeman Harrison Ford, Air mm. Force One, Bill Pullman. You just did it. You just did the top five. That was it. Okay, but yes, Danny Glover as president. Pretty good. I agree. I liked him, you know, wanting to go down with the ship kind of thing, staying behind. That was good. Okay, let's get into the beginning of this movie because here's something I need to say right off the bat. Mm-hmm. I was impressed the Earth's response to the end of the world. Mm. Unlike most disaster movies, right? I feel like... They actually took the threat seriously. Right. It got elevated to the president really fast after Adrian gets back. Right. right. From India, Oliver Platt, uh, who plays Carl, Anhauser Bush. Yep. Really elevates it quick, and the world does do some prepping. Right. A lot, actually. A lot of prepping. So. That is, it's refreshing to see in these movies that they actually take it seriously because it's usually the scientist who is sit is at a pulpit. Is that what it's called? No, a podium. podium. <laughs> the science yeah. pulpit, yeah. and uh, and says to a crowd of people like the world's coming to an end in the next ten, ten years, and we don't have years now; we have months. And no, sorry, right. we have right. weeks now. And everyone just kind of laughs at him, or some guy stands up and says, "Like, but big oil doesn't care about any of this. Back to our lives." Yeah, and then you have, uh, oh, what is his name? You have, oh, why can't I remember his name? 
The guy from the core. Stanley Tucci? Yes. Stanley Tucci is the one that's like, no, nah, he's, he's a naysayer. Right. You need a naysayer. But like, there was no naysayer in this. Everyone was like, all right. Yeah. Cool. They give him a hard time for not getting the timeline just right. Which, I mean, if the world, listen. Feels rough. There's neutrinos flying towards the earth into achieving a soul. Destabilizing the crust. I wrote this down. It's going to be a solar climax. That's what's going to happen. Yuck. <laughs> yes. So the title card of this movie is 12 minutes in. I just wanted to stipulate that. I saw the, the 2012 code is 12 minutes in. The whole beginning is like just these weird cutscenes of them taking the Mona Lisa out of the Louvre and then some a guy named Roland. Guy in, well, and then also like some guy in Saudi Arabia taking the call about how he can get a ticket on one of the ships. And then <laughs> there's like a British guy that says, uh, $1 billion is a lot of money. I'm afraid the amount is in euros. Your Highness. Because people know what that exchange rate is, and so it, that means something to people. Apparently in twenty, yeah, 2009. I mean, the euro was strong in 2009. Let's all just mm. admit it right yep. here. Fair enough. I, I actually think the beginning of this movie is not bad. It's not. Roland, at times, does do a foreboding yes. creepiness. Actually pretty good. He knows how to set up a disaster movie. It's not his first rodeo. Although I do look at that boiling thing, right? That boiling well at right. the bottom of this Indian research facility, a la Dante's Peak, right? And think like, why? Right. I do, however, the the music and the way that it's yes. filmed is like, yes. oh, I guess I should care about this. Exactly. Did you have thoughts on Danny Glover before we move on to other protagonists? <laughs> do you know how many times I've heard those words in this office? Zero. I thought Danny Glover was great as the president. Yes. He gives that final line uh, when the wave is coming with the USS is it John Kennedy, which I, has to be some sort of statement from Roland because it was so prominent, but I couldn't figure out what it was. So I was like, all right, I guess you're probably saying something here, but <laughs> I can't figure it out. And he goes like, I'm coming home to a thing. I'm down. I was down with that, though. And I believed his relationship with his daughter. That was fine. Roland does touching deaths well. He does non-touching deaths not well. Mm. But we'll get to that later. That is an excellent analysis. So I want to get to our main protagonist, played by John Cusack. Oh, I thought our main protagonist was Gordon Silberman. <laughs> A man who took kids in as his own, who is loving and caring and a pilot. Well, you, you say that, but he also had the line, yep. <laughs> No lipo on Fridays. It's too messy. And I wrote it down. I can't repeat the other line. I, wrote I can't it repeat down. the other line. No, I can, I can edit yeah. it. Okay. Women, women pay me thousands of dollars to handle their hmm. Mm -hmm. You get it for free. Maybe. <laughs> Which, by the way, when I hmm, it actually is worse than what it, the line actually Yeah, I think it really, it really is. Biggest jerk. But anyway. Not a jerk. Okay, we, we'll, talk about, we'll talk about Gordon in the future because I have some strong thoughts. Okay, okay all right. We'll continue. John Cusack. I just want to say, I don't think he's a great disaster movie protagonist. I think we've had many better options in other movies. Yeah. He plays Jackson Curtis, which is Curtis Jackson backwards because Roland Emmerich is a big fan of 50 Cent. I'm oh, sorry, 50 Cent. And 50 Cent's name is Curtis Jackson. So that's why his name is Jackson. Are Curtis you for real? This movie. That's for real. Oh, that's terrible. Okay. Okay. Why is he in this movie? <laughs> I, no, I, I, don't mean, I don't mean like as a hero. I mean, why is 
Jackson Curtis at all in 2012? Because you have to have the relationship complication of a ex-spouse and new boyfriend or girlfriend. But he's not a scientist, right? He doesn't offer any knowledge, like more knowledge of the Mayans. He's an author and a limo driver. I thought the authorship thing would mean more and be like, oh, I got it. He has an expertise and he's going to figure out things. It is the fact that he's a limo driver that makes more sense in the story. Why does he have to also be an author? Yeah, the whole author thing was unnecessary. For Adrian to recognize him, maybe? We're going to talk about some unnecessary things in a moment. The character is, is superfluous, like you're saying. And I also think John Cusack is not a good disaster movie. Like Dennis Quaid might have made this movie a lot better. That's all I'm saying. Or The Rock, <laughs> let's be honest. <laughs> Which San Andreas is kind of a 2012 approximate. Anyway, okay. I want, a different, I want a different actor in here than John Cusack, but yes. I'm not exactly sure. I know what they're going for. He, like, sure. he does strike me as someone who was super into his work, yeah. got divorced, right. has a rough relationship with his kids. Like sure, I sure, understand sure. what they're going for. But I want someone else. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And also, the <laughs> I feel almost no chemistry between him and Amanda Peet as his ex-wife. That's correct. <laughs> Just none. <laughs> I don't. And Amanda Peet, who's a good actress. I've seen her in other things that are very good. Like, yep. Yeah, next to John Cusack and the Gordon guy. I'm not sure. Yeah, it doesn't seem like she likes either of them that much. Right. I know she's supposed to. <laughs> right, but not... Okay, so you have strong feelings about Gordon. Tell me about Gordon. Okay. He plays the stepdad, right? Yes. Where in other disaster movies, and just in general, in other movies where the estranged father is the hero, we're supposed to not really like him that much. Right. And at the beginning, the movie decides exactly what I thought they would decide. He says the line about the liposuction, he's kind of aloof. He says the line in the supermarket, which is really weird. Like that whole him wrapping his arms around her and she's like hands off the merchandise felt weird. Yeah. I thought there would be some sort of semblance of her actually like digging him. You know, like it's playful when she's like, not right now, but later her, her tone was not right now and not ever. Right. I do not like you at all, Gordon. Yeah, and then he says the line, I feel like there's something pulling us apart in the grocery store, and then a fault line literally opens up between them. Yes, yes, and, that, and that's dumb. But he does say a line in here. I'm going to give you the Gordon redeeming story. Even after all of that, mm. he says something to the fact of, we have to work on this. Mm, he does. Kate, we have to like we have to work on this marriage. Yeah, yeah, and he yeah. also talks about, like, hey, you act weird after your ex-husband comes around, right. which is fair. I mean, like, it's also fair that he's kind of down on John Cusack because if someone, if you were married to someone and the person who hurt them and wounded them emotionally, you would be like, yeah, this dude's a a jerk. Like, we shouldn't even have him around too much. I understand you want him to be like with the kids, but like, I understand not liking him that much. Sure. So I think he honestly wants to work on the marriage and... At some point in time, I didn't remember this movie very much. I was waiting for him to abandon them and be selfish. Oh, no, but he doesn't do that. He doesn't. No. He stays with the family. Right. He, as an amateur pilot, does great in that plane. He does. He does. That's kind of cool. He does great in the 
bigger plane. This movie is all about planes and That's jumping right. vehicles off ramps that should never be jumped. That's <laughs> that, that like is the true. theme. Limo and the RV both get jumped. Um, but yeah, I think. I, but then he dies in the worst, <laughs> most gruesome. If this was an R-rated movie, there'd be splatters everywhere. Yeah, it's, bad. it's really bad. He didn't deserve to go that way. He deserved to go in a heroic way. I, you know what? I'm with you, and I also feel like. In the last 45 minutes of this movie that you just skimmed through and didn't really watch, there are so many conveniences that occur, <laughs> such as once the Anton airplane crashes, conveniently all the helicopters fly overhead so they can show them the way to the yep. arcs. Carrying the giraffes and the elephants. Conveniently, uh, like when John Cusack is trying to free the drill from the thing, there's conveniently a camera that they can watch John Cusack working sure. from the main yep. helm. And then it's also convenient that Gordon dies so John Cusack can be back with his ex-wife. Right. It felt like a death of convenience, and I yes. don't think Gordon deserved a death of convenience in this movie. Just so you can clear the way to get back with your family. And if he was going to die, make it something where he like he really is a good stepfather to those kids. Right. He like hugs them, really like loves them. Yeah. I guess that's my biggest issue is like the the Gordon of the latter part of the movie is not like the Gordon in the first 20 to 30 minutes. Correct. So it, it is strange. But he deserved to go out like the, uh, I forget the Russian guy who actually goes down with the plane. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sergey. Sergey. Ser- Sergey, yes, yes. He says, he also says a line that I will not repeat on this podcast, but it's, I mean, it's not great when he tries to get up over that hotel. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. I'm with you. I, I, I agree with the Gordon uh, thesis paper. Okay, so here's the... Uh, I want to talk about the... Oh, you have some more characters you want to discuss. Um, well, uh, so I do want to bring up Chiwetel's father character who is on the cruise ship and his friend. That's a tearful goodbye. That's good. You know, I couldn't leave Tony alone. You know that old fool can't keep decent time by himself. It is a tearful goodbye. I like those two characters, those two jazz guys. Yeah. Although I will say when they're about to get on the cruise ship... There's some kind of like earthquake, and the entire sh- like cruise ship buckles and like yeah, goes crazy. You don't get on that cruise ship. This is what I'm saying. My note was: if a cruise ship did that, as I was about to step onto it, I would not get on. I don't right. care if it's my job. I don't care what. Like, don't get on the cruise ship. Right. There's also a scene when after the father gets off the phone with Chiwetel, and the dad's like, "Listen, um, it's over. Like, I understand." goodbye like it's a tearful goodbye mm-hmm. and he turns to the waiter and he's like i need a double mm-hmm. and and then his friend is like you know 25 years on the wagon what are you doing and it's this interesting moment of like he knows he's about to die and you're almost yeah. like i guess he's just like it's probably fine that he's doing this because he's got 30 minutes left to live it was that was yeah it did make you think a little bit what, what, what would you i mean it's hard to put ourselves in this position but would you take the double or would you die on the wagon I want a double. Harry. I need a double right now. I mean, yeah, that's the hard thing about knowing that, for example, if you knew you're probably your death was coming, would you get in a space to like make it hurt less, for example? Because like, Mm. if you were telling me like a giant tidal wave is coming, yeah, there would definitely be a part of me that'd be like, yeah, I'm about to just get drunk. Right, but at the other hand, the other hand, it's like dying sober-minded and like being able to look at the wave and be able to think clearly and be like, "All right, yeah, Jesus, I'm coming home." <laughs> right, it's I was, probably better than like 
stumbling into like death is like a I yeah. just I'm so scared of the pain. I don't know. That's true. I do think he had the best like I would want his position as that wave was coming over because he gets to like the outside of the boat and as the boat like tilts ninety degrees, he's basically laying down and he's seeing the wave. Like that's where I would want to be. I don't want to be inside somewhere not seeing what's about to happen. Yeah. I want to see that wave coming at me like deep impact. Yeah, you want it to be at the end of the day man, this is kind of dark. Mm. You just want it to be fast and you don't want to be like right. the girlfriend of the rich Russian guy in that room that's filling up with water. Oh, like you don't want that. You don't want to go no, that No, you don't. No, 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 no. You want to go like the Russian guy throwing his kids onto the platform. And then just belly flopping <laughs> down into it. Okay, well, what I don't like this about disaster movies when this is the core, this is everything where it's yeah. just like, all right, now it's time to kill off characters in unusual ways i i just don't like that yeah it doesn't feel great i don't like it might have felt better with everybody surviving like don't kill yuri the russian guy and don't kill gordon just let them all deal with being alive on the ship like that might have felt better get your sequel going sort of thing which i also i don't know how you felt about him but i kind of like the russian guy engine start yeah i think i think it was pretty good i think while watching this movie in a pandemic, I will I can honestly say, yeah, I found the beginning half of this uh, beginning third of this movie a lot more scary than I would have otherwise. Like yeah. I w- once the world was completely like crumbling and Woody Harrelson's looking at the giant plume of fire and all of that's going on, it's like, okay, I understand this. Yeah. The eeriest creepiest part Yep, I have mine. I have the eeriest part. Oh, okay. Good. I well, that made me think of it because the because Yuri gets that text of boarding right. starting, right? And he leaves. Is that his son who's in the boxing ring? I or think it's just somebody he's just... got a lot of money on. Oh, okay. <laughs> and he just kind of walks away mid thing. Right. He just like leaves it all behind. And that yeah. was like, oh yeah, he's in it for himself. Like he's just right. the part that got me because we're watching this during a pandemic. There's a part where you see news on a TV and it's from London and they say the Olympics are canceled yep. because of all that's going on. And that was the first time where it actually connected to reality because our Olympics are canceled. You know, it's weirdly, whatever, 2009 was 11 years ago. But, you know, that, again, it's an, I don't want to say it's an easy prediction to make. Like if something crazy is going on, yeah, the Olympics are going to be canceled. But, sure. but the fact that it actually happened this year and this movie said, like, when they said that, I was like, oh, that's, like, a real thing now. And that was weird. Well, this whole, and even just the whole idea of, like, the scientific community is, like, learning things or has these dire predictions. And, for example, the Americans are just, we're all just, like, watching the news. Right, and right. politicians are just kind of saying whatever they want at the right. moment. Like, where what I would call a bad Arnold Schwarzenegger impression, because apparently they couldn't get real Arnold in this movie at all, uh, yeah, okay. is telling them, like, it's fine, whatever, and then they have the giant earthquake. That was probably the the creepiest part of the movie that just felt oogie now that we're in pandemic form. Just like that, just that whole beginning of, like, oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. there's a bunch of frantic studying going on behind the scenes. Right, but, but no like, one really knows what's happening. We don't really know what's going on, right. There's a line that Danny Glover says as he's saying goodbye to Chiwetel. And a young scientist is going to be worth 20 old politicians. I thought that was an interesting line. Yeah. I was like, okay. Yeah. Can we talk about the limo now? 
because we, we start getting into disasters and all of a sudden the eeriness that I felt while watching it went away. Yeah. And now I'm just watching Roland Emmerich say, it is CG scene time. So this is 2009 and John Cusack drives a limo through Los Angeles, I guess. Yeah. Or Santa Monica or whatever to the airport. The most insane scene. I half enjoyed it. Half was like, this would never, ever, ha- could never happen. I am, yeah, I was part, of, I was actually part impressed with the CG. There's yeah. actually some pretty good looking crumbling buildings. Now, every once in a while, it gets to like glass animations or there's like a CG person that like Wilhelm screams out, out off a <laughs> <Right>. cliff. <laughs> and it's like, oh, right. okay. But like, Roland, he went for it in these scenes. Like, oh, yeah. It, he did not shy away from, I assume, very, very complicated CG setups. Everything was shown. There oh, were yeah. little people populating every floor. Yeah, there's like subway trains like flying through the newly made canyon. <laughs> there's, yeah, there's pullback shots of yeah. the whole thing kind of crumbling. Like, I give him credit for going for it now i didn't hit the target right on it but still i don't think you could have gone any more right (laughs) (laughs) there's not you couldn't have gone for it more yes yeah there's no more to do and so it was somewhat impressive like when they're actually you know it's so hilarious how like how close to death they come so many times okay oh yes the limo and then in the plane and they're taking off and it's like and that rv well let's talk about the ways john cusack should have done (laughs) so many ways i just want to mention as they're flying away in the plane after that limo scene one of the most impressive visuals i think is like the entire city like sliding into the ocean yep that's pretty good cg i'll give you that yeah i i enjoyed that why didn't (laughs) back to the we're gonna go limo rv plane okay yes here are my thoughts I would have liked a tiny bit more restraint from Roland Emmerich with this limo because yeah, small cracks, a bit of crashing, houses crumbling on the side, great, good. Once it launched off of, I don't know, something into the, a building that is falling down through the glass, through an office floor, and then jumped off the back and like got airtime slow yeah, motion it took me out of that scene yeah. and i'm okay with it being ridiculous amounts of crumbling and falling around yeah but as soon as you a limo is not meant to be in the air no a limo on the ground is safe and that is what limos are for as the old <laughs> quote says yeah that one that was ridiculous it should crack in half it's a limo it's right. very long right. it's very rigid it does not have great <laughs> suspension right i wish they would have removed that because there's something about cracks forming and things crumbling around while driving that is truly suspenseful oh, yeah. and a little scary but i don't after we get some sort of larger cracks, I don't believe that a limo... A limo is not a Hummer. It's not a dune buggy. <laughs> it's not meant to traverse. Even going up on the curb, I think to myself, like, as soon as he goes up into a yard, that limo should just be done. Yeah. And then it was kind of hilarious when they're in the yard and then the old ladies in the other car. <laughs> like a piece of rock just, like, springs up in the middle of the road. Those women straight up, like... That was a hard. They died. And we see it, and the good little girl sees uh, it. I was thinking the whole time. Roland! There's a couple times when the mom is covering the girl's eyes, and I was thinking to myself, these kids would be traumatized if they saw all that they oh, saw. Like man. This is like really disturbing images to see people die a thousand different ways, yeah. falling into the center of the earth, or being crushed. Like 
pretty troubling. Okay, so there's the limo. the limo. Do you have any more limo thoughts? No, let's go to the RV. Okay, RV time. I just want to say here at the outset, this movie is two hours and 40 minutes long. Uh-huh. They should have cut out 95% of the Yellowstone stuff, including Woody Harrelson. I don't think he's necessary. He is unnecessary, but he is enjoyable. Really? The pickle eating is gross. Sure. Yeah, he doesn't need to be in this. The only th- the only part I enjoyed about Woody Harrelson is he shows him the video that he made that's like cartoony. Yes, the animation. And I just yes. I have a note here that if that went out on YouTube today, a million views. Like that is the aesthetic <laughs> for today's YouTube, and uh, it was hilarious. I did all the animation myself. Just imagine the Earth as an orange. Ah. Oh. You lure them in with humor. Then you make them think. It's a smart way to, d- to deliver exposition as well. Because the movie is trying to like explain neutrinos, and I love that they did it through this. Ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, talking about the Mayans. The RV that John Cusack is hurtling down the mountain. I don't believe that it makes it down in time. I don't believe that it's fast enough to do that. I don't believe that it's out running a... I mean, basically an explosion wave. Yeah. Right? And I don't believe that John Cusack gets out of it and holds onto the edge of that cliff. Okay. Okay. Yes. Here's like, there are a lot of unbelievable survival things. Yeah. But I think one of them is that planes that are trying to take off on runway, every runway is cracking underneath them. There is no good runway. None. (laughs) And there's a lot of takeoff scenes in this movie. There really, there's at least four. Yes. Right. But the, yes, the RV falling backwards and crumbling how do you get out of that rv and hold on to the edge of the cliff you don't tell me how this works jurassic park was the only one that showed us how you can survive that kind of rv thing and the back of this rv was already gone so no right he doesn't survive that's insane because he can't even leave out the front of the rv like the rv is falling backwards and there is a front door that's on the side right so and he would have to as the rv is tilted at a 45 degrees towards an open back would have to climb his way up and be able to get out the side of the rv and hold on to a cliff edge and then climb up no it's ridiculous now to the plane didn't care for this so the plane i mean we got two planes we got the little plane and then we got the anton (laughs) sure uh which one did you want to talk about i want to talk about the little plane first okay because it is genuinely both takeoffs yeah are the same (laughs) (laughs) that is true but i i like it oh yeah i like a small plane trying and and gordon hero gordon is needs to get to 85 knots or whatever to be able to take off and he's punching and he tries to go through his checklist and you're just like go go right 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 genuinely suspenseful yeah genuinely fun yeah i agree but once they take off and they're at speed why can't they really just go above everything? Why do they have to be moving underneath skyscrapers in that first takeoff? I mean, I guess because it takes a while to get altitude, and he was just barely at takeoff speed, I guess. Okay. I don't know. I don't know. The part that I didn't believe was John Cusack running into the plane. There's like a moment of terrible CG where he jumps in, yeah, and I don't CG. think he has a hand on anything. <laughs> like, he just kind of like floats into the plane. He's able to go in and they take off five seconds later, which means going from 15 miles an hour, which is about like a really fast run, right? Up to, I don't know how fast you have to be in order to take off. 85 knots, apparently. But then the, the Anton takeoff, I was down with that too. Like that was kind of fun. 
it was used a little much for me. I could have used maybe one or two takeoffs. Yeah, the fact that there were four is like by the by the time the Anton happened, it's like I get it. You need to pull back on the stick really, really hard. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I could fly a plane at this point. Yeah. <laughs> You've seen it done enough times. Punch it forward and then pull back on yeah, the stick. That's all it is. All right, we have to talk about. We have to get. We get to Tibet and we see the arcs. Mm-hmm. These huge mm-hmm. ships mm-hmm. built. Props on the CG. Like these arcs look kind of cool. Like I'm down with that, and the whole facility that is launching these arcs down, down with that. And I also think it's kind of a cool scene when that wave finally comes, and you see it hit the ships, yeah, and they all kind of buckle. Like that's a cool moment. It's suspenseful, you know. Yep. The door is still open, so it's building some tension. Water flowing through lower cabins and through hallways, oh, knocking yeah. people over, oh, yeah. is never not horrifying. Oh, I know. It's of all the scary things. That's the one I don't want to deal with. I hate water filling up areas. I hate water potentially drowning people. It's like, it's the core, it's Titanic, it's right. all of it, and yeah. I don't like it, no, and I it gives agree. me the heebie-jeebies. Agreed. But every time something is hitting the ship, like a wave or something bad is happening, there is this guy in the like captain's area where uh-huh. there's a big group of people. On the bridge. <laughs> On the bridge, it's the guy with glasses, and he makes the most ridiculous faces of horror <laughs> and like scaredness. And it's just like he looks so ridiculous every time they go to the it's bridge. Audition tape. Every time they go to the bridge, I'm like, that guy needs to stop. Like it's too there much. And then he's the one that once they finally get the engines on and they realize they're going to be safe and not hit Everest, he's just like, yeah. like he does this crazy <laughs> scream, and I'm like, this guy's too much we've done it yes and there's also so many on the nose lines during this like whole climax thing they're telling chi would tell like what it's going to take to unstick the door and the guy's like it's completely submerged down there there'd be no way for them to get any air no other way it's a suicide mission sir (laughs) well yeah obviously (laughs) everyone's life is in danger like we don't need that. You don't need to say that. Right, exactly. Yeah. You're all on a basically a sinking boat if this doesn't work. Also, I feel like having the safety mechanism of you can't turn the engines on unless the door is closed seems like a foolish thing to add. Like, they built these ships custom. I think you need an override button. You need, like, a worse come to worse. <laughs> Which is something that the guy says, I forget his name. Oh, Carl Anheuser-Busch? Yeah, yeah, he says something like, The turbine's not responding, so override it. Hit the override button and start the engines. I understand he's saying it from a, a point that he doesn't know what he's talking about, but it just comes across weird. The movie breaks down uh, for yeah, me yeah. with the arcs, and not because the arcs aren't cool looking, right? But because once you get on the arc, this whole the door not closing all the way, right. and the little gears, and, and those huge those huge gears, that little like drill thing. I mean, it's not a little drill thing, but that drill thing would not have stopped those gears. I don't think. Yeah, like those yeah. are massive gears. If Gordon's body can't stop it, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm sorry. That was that was too much. Sorry, Gordo. R.I.P. Gordon. Yeah, it's weird. I also didn't believe that you could just yank on things. Like, right. I know they hands up using the little the little little buttony thing. Yeah, but it's to get weird. them moving the opposite direction or whatever. But like, it all felt like a contrivance. Yeah. To add suspense to a lo- to a time that it should be. Once you get to the arc. Maybe there's a bit of a suspense of will this actually hold because we haven't tested this in this. Right. But the whole like we're getting close to Everest, we're gonna bump into it unless we put him in reverse. Right. It's just not good. It's not good yeah. ending to this movie. And speaking of not good endings, after they are safe, 
and we jump forward, what, 120 days or something? Yeah. And they open this mm-hmm. windows for the first time. Everybody goes out. Mm-hmm. I wrote down the last line of this movie, Nate. Uh, and John Cusack is, is, is with his kids and his ex-wife, who are now together again, I assume. And his daughter looks at John Cusack, and she says, Where's Gordon? No, no, no. She says, Is that how that ended? That's the end of the movie. That is literally the last spoken line of the movie. I wrote it down because I couldn't believe it. No inspiring voiceover from Danny Glover. She no longer wets the bed because she's been through a world-ending event. (laughs) I feel like she would be justified after all that. You know, she's got... (laughs) Like, it's okay. You made it through. Right. doesn't matter what you have to deal with. But anyway. No more pull-ups, but I have terrible nightmares for the rest (laughs) of my life. I feel like that was a terrible last line of a movie. It was not satisfying. Let me tell you something about movie making, Stephen. What you have to do on these disaster movies is it has to be big, big scale, but you have to make sure it's also small and granular and you care about the small family. Mm. That's Mm. how you can really get yourself Mm. into the movie. Mm. So I'm sure Roland was like, well, we have to make it personal. Mm. And what's more personal than pee in the bed? That took me a second. I, I just say you could have done a lot better with, you know, his son wouldn't call him dad the whole movie. I feel like you could have saved that for the end where the son looks at him and says, you know, love you, dad, or something like that. Yeah. It would have been a thousand times better. But yeah. Anyway. Back to, back to Gordon for a second. Once, <laughs> once Amanda Pete, she says something like, where is he? And he like grabs her the face, like, like shakes his head like, no. And she's like, we have to go back for him. Right. After that, I would have liked to see Amanda Pete a little more distraught that her husband's gone. Yeah, I think she was just glad she didn't have to make a decision between the two of them anymore. <laughs> and that's that's really this, that's troubling. This makes it easy. <laughs> right. That's uh, oh. dismissal of it. But anyway, I also liked the, uh, the Buddhist monk on the top of the mountain in Tibet. Yeah, yeah. Which is also the movie cover. Yeah. He's also a good character. That's all. Very cool. I think, oh, what do you think about the brothers? I mean, they're super jerks to John Cusack early on. And then... I don't know. They have somewhat of an arc. I think oh no! Sorry, like, sorry. I I take it back. I don't mean the Russian. Oh, okay. The Russian Augustus Gloops. No, I don't. Not them. <laughs> okay, I'm okay. talking about the one, the Tibetan guy. That one guy's the welder, oh. and then you have the. He's like he needs faith. I wish they would have been in the movie the whole time because they just kind of get plugged in at the end as plot devices to get them on the arc. Yeah, I would have liked to actually. I actually I cared about them. I also cared about the, the guy in India who says, like, they never came to pick us up. Oh, yeah. I felt for him, man. Oh, yes. man. Yeah, I felt bad. And he, like, kisses his son's yeah. forehead as the wave comes. Oh, good job, Roland. That, that was good. And that's how we would want to go, like we've discussed before. Like, right. if it's inevitable. Deep impact. Don't spend your time running up the mountain. Hug your family close. That's it. And, like, the, the, was it his son that he kissed on the head or a daughter? Oh, I think it was his son. Anyway, he takes his child. That was his wife, him. right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because they were all okay. together. Yeah. Oh, no. The other really sad moment is when the two jazz guys, when the guy who hadn't talked to his son in years calls him and like talks to his granddaughter. Uh-huh. And he's like, I'm your grandfather. But then he never gets to talk to his son. And then like the earthquake happens and stuff. <sighs> that was really heart wrenching. So, you know, Roland Emmerich, he does stuff like that. It's all right. Like that is, I like those <laughs> moments. They are good moments. They're good moments. But then kind of what's surrounding it yeah it's bad okay here's what it's like are you ready i'm gonna kind of weave something together yeah go ahead mm-hmm. it is like you're 12 years old and you're in seventh grade and you're sitting in class and like 
every once in a while, probably every couple weeks, you have like a school meeting in the gym and they bring in some guy who can do backflips and it's like a fun moment or you have, you know, they bring in some cool guy who can rip a phone book up and it's like, wow, this is really cool. <laughs> You're talking about the power team. Yeah, the power team. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like you have these you have these things or you have like, hey, today at recess, everyone gets a giant bouncy ball or you do that parachute game. And that's really cool. But it's not at the end of the school day. Mm. So what happens is you do this thing, you go to recess or you go to this. Uh, why can't I understand what it's called? An assembly. An assembly. You have this school assembly, but then you have to go back to class and it's like 1 p.m. and you have two more hours of just like, and now back to geometry. That's what this movie is, where you have these really cool moments, and then Roland Emmerich's like, sorry, we got to go back to this disaster genre. Like, sit down, yeah. I got to do a cool CG wave, or I got to do like a, a gap, or I have to do some guy in front of a screen talking about like, the countdown increasing. So it's almost like regular school day is disaster cliches but every once in a while i get a fun little assembly school assembly and get to see a jazz guy uh right talk to his son yeah which is really heartfelt and really great and really deep and it's like all right now back to it now back to this guy in glasses on the bridge (laughs) (laughs) i'll take that thesis too all right now we got to rate this movie now that since you brought it up in the woody harrelson discussion Mm-hmm. I think we should rate it on a scale of zero to five pickles. Pickles, <laughs> because sometimes a pickle's really nice. You get that on a good sandwich, you know. Yep. Even that pickle raw right out of the jar can be a little nasty too. Yep. So on a scale of zero to five pickles, whose turn is it, Nate? You're up first. I'm gonna give it two whole pickles. Two pickles. It it doesn't deserve any more than that. Going into the ones and a halves, I just can't do it. Because it has touching moments. And again, Danny Glover is president. The two jazz guys. You know, your Gordon thesis. I actually like him a little better now. Like, there's some good things in here. The CG is fun at times. But it's also a terrible, terrible movie. And does not deserve any more than two, I don't think. So, two whole pickles for me. I'm going to go one and a half pickles. (laughs) A big bite from Woody Harrelson out of a pickle. The pickle juice <laughs> right. splurting everywhere. <laughs> okay. It, the best characters are side characters. Mm. And that's, that's bad for a movie. I mean, she would tell a G4 is good. She, uh, he's not, he's in it, but he's too plot devicey. Yeah, that's true. He's too exposition and getting like, I, and I think Danny Glover's too is good too, but like John Cusack, maybe it's just John Cusack at the end of the day, because yeah. I think Danny Glover, Danny Glover's, daughter we don't talk about laura very much but like her kind of fondness for adrian and all them like that's all good i actually like oliver platt too i think it's the john cusack yeah the family amanda pete right right, even gordon like the kids let me let me ask you a quick question what if roland emmerich could have convinced will smith to play john cusack's character and jeff goldblum to play chiwetel geofor's character would this have been a better movie Yes. I think Will Smith in this movie would have been, in the John Cusack role, would have been great. Yeah. One and a half. This movie is no good. I didn't like it. I liked it worse in pandemic times than I liked it before when I first saw it. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think a 10-minute clip of this movie is all you need. It is also two hours and 38 (laughs) minutes long. It's too long. I'll give you that. I think 
I, actually, if this movie was 90 minutes, I may go to a two or two and a half. Mm-hmm. It is far too yeah, long. 90 minutes. Cut out Yellowstone and Woody Harrelson. I think you might get 90. Oh, you could cut out a lot more than that, too. No, no, I know. There's a lot that could be cut out. <laughs> I know. Cut out one whole plane and all the scenes associated. And you'd be good. Make it be you get to the arcs and like that's it. Like, right. all right, you did all it. Right. Yeah. All right. Well, tell us what you thought, listeners. Interact with us on Instagram at Movies on the Side. Go to that patreon.com slash movies on the side and listen to our bonus episodes there. Yeah, thanks for joining us. We, we're, not, we're not good at ending this, night. I think you're great at the, that ending blurb. Uh, I appreciate it. I feel, I feel a little off. It's raining and my mattress is wet, so. <laughs> Your old mattress. My old Your mattress, old yeah. You know, the new one is nice and dry, safe inside. So just a quick update. Mattress is still there, soaking wet. Looks slightly discolored now that it is waterlogged.